This is a really special day. Um, it's not called the High Holy Day for nothing. It's like the high point of the year. Uh, we're going to be talking at... This is not going to be an, uh, a regular Shabbat service. This is going to be a special one today. We have some special things planned. We'll be doing some special prayers, um, some liturgical um, Hebrew prayers, and traditional things like that. We have some special songs planned, and I'm going to be giving a special message. So it's all, it's all going to be special. <laughs> Yeah, why don't we start with the word of prayer. Uh, Abba Father, we are really overjoyed to be here today together, gathering in the name of our Savior, Yeshua, our Savior Jesus. Thank you so much for who you are in our lives, Father. Uh, you are the King of the universe and you are our King and we're here today to, to shout that fact out, to celebrate it, to crown you our King, Yeshua, and to proclaim that you are Lord and you are King over Prince Albert, over Saskatchewan in Canada, over all of the earth. You are the King of Israel, Yeshua. We praise your name this morning. Um, I pray, Father, that your spirit would sweep through us this morning, that we would have an encounter with you, that you would give us hearts to seek you this morning, to seek you wholeheartedly so that we can encounter you. I pray that you would give us ears that are open to hear what you have to communicate to us today through your Ruach HaKodesh, your spirit of holiness. I pray that you would open our eyes wide, Father, to the revelation of Yeshua that you have for us today. <coughs> and uh, I thank you for this, Father. I pray healing for those of us who are here and those of us who aren't here, who are fighting colds and other things. We thank you that you are Yahweh Rofenu, you are Yahweh our healer. And um, we anticipate a wonderful time together this morning in your name, Yeshua, because you have saved us and we are following you and you are our great and exalted leader. Amen. Well, I'd like to start this morning with a, a word from Paul. Messiah's emissary, Paul. This is relevant to the biblical festivals in general. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, Therefore no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink, or in respect to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day, things which are a shadow of what is to come, but the substance is of Messiah. So, we learn several things from this passage. Firstly, it sure looks like the believers that Paul was writing to was celebrating the feasts, because otherwise he wouldn't have been writing this. And it's interesting that he says we're not to judge each other with regards to these things. So, for instance, if I, as a Messianic Jew, celebrate the feasts, if any of us in this room choose to do this in following our Messiah's example, we're not to judge each other for that, are we? Maybe we're also not to judge each other for how we do it. There are different ways of doing it, aren't there? That's what I get out of that. Now, today is like a triple whammy, because all three of these classifications fall on today. Uh, it is a Shabbat today. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Sabbath peace to you. It is a new moon. It's Rosh Chodesh. Witnesses cited the new moon in Jerusalem. And it is the beginning of a new month. And it's also a festival. It is Yom Teruah, the day of trumpets. And uh, I'll be explaining a little more about what Yom Teruah is all about in just a moment here. So triple whammy. Now here's the cool thing. Paul doesn't say that these, these days are shadows of things that have already happened. Paul says, this is post-ascension, Paul says that these are things of shadows of things that are to come. So there's something about Shabbat that is a, a silhouette 
of something to come. There's something about Rosh Chodesh, the biblical new month, that is a shadow of something to come. There's something about a festival like the Day of Trumpets that is an outline of our future. Wow, this is Paul we're talking about here, isn't it? I think this is something that we've missed as the body of Messiah for centuries. And he's, he's bringing us back to an understanding of these things and how they point to our Savior. Um, finally, he says, these things are they're like they're silhouettes, they're outlines, they're, 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 it's an image, it's a shadow, it's a picture, and the body is of Messiah. Right? So let me ask you, do you have to get pretty close to someone to get in their shadow? Yes, you do. So when we get in the Messiah's shadow that his body is casting, you know, we're in the shadow right now, right? Then um, it tells me that we are in close proximity to the Mashiach, to the Messiah. He's somewhere around here. Where is he? He's somewhere around here. Maybe if we look with the eyes of our spirits, we can see him today. That's my prayer for all of us. So I believe that there's a very rich revelation of Messiah that, um, that the Father has for us today. Excuse me. Yes. Um, um, much of the Jewish world did Yom Teruah on, on Wednesday, uh, Rosh Hashanah, right? We're doing it today because uh, we're, we're doing it by the calendar with the new moon sighted from Jerusalem, as it was done in Messiah's time. It's a great example of Paul's dictum, don't judge each other in these things, right? So we expect that people who did it along with uh, the Jewish majority won't judge us for doing it today. We likewise, of course, have a very good attitude about this, and we don't judge people who do it on another day, right? Um, so yes, just wanted to put that note in. So let's, let's look at some passages about Yom Teruah here. Mm. If you want to turn to Leviticus chapter 23, it'd be nice to know what we're doing here and why we're doing it, hey? So maybe we can look at that, look at some specifics. Now Leviticus chapter 23 verse 24, it's actually a very succinct directive given with regards to the day of trumpets, Yom Trua. It simply says, speak to the sons of Israel saying, in the seventh month, when is that? Uh, yeah, Leviticus 23 verse 24, that's correct. Now, on the first of the month, when is that? Today. Today, <laughs> okay. We're tracking here. You shall have a rest. How many of you are ready for a rest? Oh, yeah. uh, Richard, you doing electrical work? I'm sure you're ready for a rest by Saturday, hey? Okay, so we're having a rest, and we're having a spiritual rest in Messiah too, aren't we? A reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Don't do any laborious work, and present an offering by fire to Yahweh. That's all it says. Um, there's another verse, we'll just touch on that right now too, in the book of Numbers chapter 29 verse 1, Numbers 29 verse 1, and it essentially says the same thing. It says, now on the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall also have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It will be to you a day for blowing trumpets. So, today is a day for blowing trumpets. I see that we have a couple trumpets in the room, so we're going to have a good time this morning blowing trumpets. Um, the Hebrew term there for a day for blowing trumpets is Yom. Everybody say Yom. 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 Teruah. Teruah. Yom Teruah. So Yom is day. Teruah is... Ah, the NASB renders it as trumpets, but it's actually something more. 
well, even something more than shofars. I'm going to give you a live demo of what Terua is in, in, a, in a minute, actually. That's going to be really fun. Yeah. So let's just, so we get these six specifics in here. Let's just break them down for a second together. Is that cool? Um, number one, it says Yom Terua. In Hebrew, it says it's to be a Shabbaton. Everybody say Shabbaton. Shabbaton. You, you know, Sabbath, Shabbat, right? Shabbaton is like a special Sabbath. Uh, it's a day to cease from our ordinary activities and get caught up in this event because today is an event. It is a high holy day. Uh, number two, Yom Teru is to be a day of remembrance. This is one of Yom Teru's most unique features. It's a day to remember. Of course, when I say it's a day to remember, what's the question that goes through your mind? Uh, to rem yeah, remember what? Um, the answer to that question is actually something that puzzle scientists to no end. Greg, uh, what did you do next Sunday? Next Sunday. Yeah, what did you do next Sunday, Greg? Next Sunday. <laughs> you may not, if we were to press you for everything that you did next Sunday, like minute by minute, hour by hour, how, would you, how well would you be able to do that? Remember what you did next Sunday? Yeah, not very well. And you, and you know what? That's okay. It's not, it has nothing to do with a fading memory. It's, um, it's a question that puzzles scientists. There are actually um, papers out there, research papers, using normative scientific methods of proof, proving that time doesn't exist. And this is the kind of thing that makes people like Einstein toss and turn at night. It's, it's something that, that puzzles scientists to no end. If, if, we can, if, if, if it can be proven scientifically that time doesn't exist, and apparently it can be proven, then why can we only remember the past? Why can't we remember the future? That's the big question. That's a big question in the scientific world. Uh, the world's, great, the world's great, great thinkers reason this. And you know what? It's a good question. And I mean, some do remember the future. Some have a gift of prophecy. Some have a gift of prophecy. Yeah, from his perspective, does time really exist? Well, well think about it like this. He is eternal. He is, in Hebrew, he is ha hove. Ha, and Haya and Yiyah, like he is the one who is, he is the one who was, he is the one who will, who will be forever and ever. Um, that's, that's what the Hebrew name Yahweh, most uh, linguists would, um, would surmise, means. It means he is eternal, he is like ever present. Um, yeah, and, and his spirit, his Ruach, is eternal too. Now, there was a time before the fall when humanity walked with their timeless creator, um, when, when we lived in his eternal spirit, it, it was like a time when heaven and earth were one. And I don't know if any of us remember that very well. But, you know, Adam and Eve probably did have a time when they remembered that. Uh, the problem is we as the human race have fallen from that glorious level of existence, haven't we? Um, most of us live in the flesh now. Uh, almost 100%. <laughs> And uh, I think that's why we have a hard time remembering the future. Remembering, even like you're saying, Greg, key events in the future. Um, here's the good news, though. We have been reconciled with Yahweh, our timeless creator. Um, we have received his eternal spirit within ourselves. What that means is, yes, we can remember the future through his spirit. Um, like you're saying, Hannah, that is the gift of prophecy. To be able to see things that are going to happen. And... Um, 
Specifically, I, I, I don't want you to think I'm getting into anything wonky here, right? I'm not talking about fortune telling or predicting people's futures. I'm just saying there are scriptural things that are forecast that are going to happen. And when we get in that eternal spirit, we see them clearly. They are vivid in our mind's eyes. And we are, we are galvanized to prepare for our future. We live with the future in mind. We live in the shadow of the destiny that Yahweh has for us as a people. That's what I'm getting at here. Daniel's an excellent example. He actually foresaw the rise and fall of world governments. Mm -hmm. Um, The book of Revelation is full of uh, a prophet who remembered the future. So, could this be a theme of Yom Teruah, a day of remembering things? I, uh, I think so. I'll give you the Hebrew term here for uh, remembering. Like to remember something is zikhar. Everybody say zikhar. And uh, the word for like remembrance or memorial is zikaron. Can we all say zikaron? I like that word. It kind of has a little, what's the word? It has a little flair to it. Zikaron. Right? So today is called Yom HaZikaron. It's the day of remembrance. I'm actually going to take you through eight. There are eight traditional titles for this day in the Jewish tradition. It's such a big day. It is so multifaceted that it takes like eight different names for it to get the point across, right? So uh, this is, uh, we already touched on the first one. It's uh, Yom Teruah, right? Um, This one here is, here that we just mentioned is Yom Hazikaron. Zikaron, yes. Yep. Uh, Interestingly enough, we talked about how Revelation is a book of a prophet remembering the future through the inspiration of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And uh, at the beginning of this work, he says, I was in the Spirit, when? On the Lord's Day. Now, sometimes we will take our current um, situation and we'll say, oh, well, you know, Sunday we say is the Lord's Day, so He must have been in the Spirit on Sunday. That's, that's how, but, you know, when we do that, we're actually reading into the text um, to John, who observed a Saturday Sabbath, it's highly probable that he would have seen Saturday as the Lord's Day. Uh, whether or not that's the case, there is a deeper meaning to what he's saying here. This is something that David Stern, um, the well-known pioneer Messianic Jew, points out. Of course, the translator of the complete Jewish Bible that, that we read from. Um, he points out that on, the Lord's Day can also be the Day of the Lord. I was in the Spirit on the Day of the Lord, on the Day of Yahweh. Let me ask you something. When is the day of the Lord on the biblical calendar? If there's one day that you could say it is, when is it? That's right, it's today. If there's any day on the biblical calendar that is the day of the Lord, today is the day of the Lord. It could be that John was referring to Yom Teruah when he said he was in the Spirit and he received this massive revelation of Mashiach and uh, he had the voice speaking to him so clearly. Um, That's something to be ready for today. Yeah. Okay. Um, number three, it says on here that Yom Teruah, in Leviticus 23, verse uh, 24, says it is to be a, t- a day of teruing. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of making up the, the verb here, teruing, okay? If teru is the noun, then teruing to teruah is the verb. <laughs> and um, I'm going to give you an example of what a teruah is, what it means to teru in um, the most basic sense, okay? And you might want to cover your ears for this. That's, that's, that's a teruah. It literally means to shout. Now, because when I blow this trumpet, it sounds like a shout. Can you hear that? Ah! 
This is also called a teruah. But the most basic sense means to shout, okay? So today is a day of blowing shofar and shouting. Why is today called a day of shouting? Uh, maybe we'll, uh, we're, we're going to look into that a little bit later. So uh, leave you leave you hanging on that one. Um, number four, it says, on, on Yom Teruah have a Mikra Kodesh. Uh, holy convocation is how the NASB renders that. Uh, anybody want to learn what Mikra Kodesh means? Kind of like if you break it down into a bigger thing. Okay, uh, Kodesh is holiness. Everybody say Kodesh. Holiness. So it's like there's something about our gathering today that has everything to do with holiness. Right? It also says to have a Mikra Kodesh on, on every Shabbat, every Saturday, right? Um, there, and, and for all the biblical festivals. But it also says that for today. Um, that word there for like translated convocation or assembly, um, Mikra, the, the root of it is a verb, kara. Everybody say kara. And it means, uh, it actually means four things. Let's count them on our fingers together, okay? Um, f- firstly, kara, it, it, like the, the verb means to cry out or call, okay? That's what it literally means, to cry out or to call. And the first, the first nuance of this word means to invite. Like when you call an assembly, when you invite someone to a gathering. So, hey, I kind of did that pretty literally when I called you up, hey? Yeah, that's an example of mikra, okay? Calling, so you know, when we have like biblical festivals, you know, we send out emails, we call people and invite people, that's, that's mikra. So that's something that we can be doing. When you, when you make a Facebook event and you invite all your Facebook friends to a, a biblical festival or whatever, that's an example of, of mikra, all right? Um, number two, it means to cry out in prayer and praise. To cry out in prayer and praise. Um, the earliest Hebrew idiom for prayer literally is to cry out the name of Yahweh or to call on the name of Yahweh. That's what the, our, the patriarchs of our faith would do. And so to have a mikra, that's a time when you cry out in calling on his name and praising his name and praying to the Almighty. Um, number three, just tell me to slow down if I'm going too fast here, you guys. I'm, like your pens are all moving really, really quick. That's impressive. Um, number three, to kara means to publicly read with a loud voice. To publicly read with a loud voice. So, for instance, when we read the holy texts today, we're going to be publicly reading, we're going to be crying out the Word of God. Um, yeah, means to read. And um, fourthly, kara means to preach. Because when you preach, you're crying out, right? You're, you're calling out. So, uh, I'm going to be doing some preaching today too. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will be preaching to each one of our, our hearts the things that Yeshua wants to communicate to us. So um, we see that like Mikra Kodesh, it doesn't just mean to get together, but uh, it, it connotes certain activities. A Mikra Kodesh connotes certain activities. And it's actually kind of cool. Did you notice? That's what believers just instinct, like, instinctively do when they get together. Like we pray and we cry out to Him. We, we invite each other. We call each other together. Um, we, uh, we preach and we read the Holy Word, don't we? I mean, hey, that is all bound up in the Hebrew term kara, in Amikra Kodesh. Okay, um, fifth directive here in Leviticus 23, abstain from any laborious work. It kind of makes sense, you know? I mean, if you're going to be like gathering together in a holy convocation, I don't know, I haven't figured out how to be in two places at one time yet, although I'd really like to sometimes. So I just, I have a hard time being at work and being at a holy convocation at the same time, you know? So very practical um, re- uh, recommendation there. And then finally... Sixthly and lastly, it says it's a day to make an offering to Yahweh by fire. Now, 
Let's be clear here. Nobody's going to be going home and making sacrifices in their backyards, right? You can barbecue if you want, but that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, there is, that kind of activity is strictly reserved for the temple, and there isn't any temple standing on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, although that could change in the next couple of years. So, on a literal level, that's not applies to us. But let me ask you, on a deeper level, is there something here that could apply to us? Um, an offering by fire. Let me ask you, was it ever animal offerings that really did it for God? That really got Him going? Like, was it ever, you know, the, the, the animals being slaughtered and blood everywhere and burning flesh? And Was, was this really what touched His heart? Yes, he, he did call his people to this, and it was a good, it's a good commandment, right? But I wonder, what's the why of this commandment? Why, why, did, he, why did he give these commandments about the temple service in Jerusalem? Um, I, I wonder if there's not something about love behind it all. Yes, the fire purifies us. Hmm, like in Daniel. That's excellent. You know, I, I wonder, like, if it wasn't the mechanical action that was so doing it for the Almighty as it was the love in his people's hearts when they brought those offerings. If it wasn't the fire of love in, in, in the souls of believers when they brought those animal offerings. I wonder if that wasn't, that wasn't what, what, what the deeper meaning of this was. Um, similarly, I, I, I asked myself, like, you know, when, when we get together, like, is he really just want us to get together and read some passages and sing some songs and do some mechanical stuff? Or, or, or is our passionate lover of a God looking for something more? You know, as we read scriptures today, as we sing his praises, he is watching each of us to see if our hearts are aflame for the king or if our minds are a million miles away from his presence. He notices these things. He cares. And it doesn't stop every now and then. I mean, it doesn't hurt for us to stop every now and then and just say, where's my heart? You know, really, like, where's my mind? Um, The good news is, the times when we are feeling kind of cold inside, maybe a little distanced from the Holy One, the good news is Yeshua said He came to cast fire upon the earth. And He said, and how I wish it were kindled. Like this was something He really wanted to get going here, right? And the good news is He has got it going now. That fire of the love of God, that fire that burns on the altar in heaven is available to be cast into each one of our hearts if we want it if we're willing to ask for it, if we're willing to say, God, you know what, I'm pretty cold. I feel pretty cold. I feel far from you. Um, That's just the start of a wonderful journey. And hey, I, I feel like that sometimes. But he never fails to come through on his promise to immerse us in the Ruach HaKodesh, to baptize us in his Holy Spirit and to ignite that fire in our hearts. It's something he wants to do. So I'd like to just take a minute to pray and ask him for that today. How does that sound? (coughs) Uh, Father... uh, Thank you so much for this day. It is a holy day. And you are a holy Elohim, a holy God. And uh, we thank you for your promise that at the times when we feel cold, you are there to cast your fire in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to do that. Thank you for that hallmark promise of the new covenant to immerse us in your Ruach HaKodesh, your spirit of holiness. And we pray that you would do that today, Master Yeshua, that you would take us so deep in your living spirit, that you would take that fire from the altar in heaven and kindle it in our hearts, the fire of worship, a fire that worships you all the time, that that cannot be stopped, that praises your name 24-7, that burns with love for you, that, that consumes us with zeal for your kingdom and for the honor of your name, Yahweh. We ask you for that fire today, that we could come to you and present a worthy offering at the hands of our high priest, Yeshua the Messiah, Father, a worthy offering by fire, by, by your fire. 
And we thank you for these things, O God of Israel. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay, so we, uh, we talked about um, two names of Yom Teruah already. Yom Teruah, the Day of Trumpets. And uh, we also touched on the one about remembrance. We're going to get into that a little more deeper in just a moment here. Uh, Yom Teruah, the Day of Trumpets, it's a day associated with the second coming of Messiah at the sound of the great shofar. Um, it's a day associated with the accompanying resurrection of the righteous dead, along with the ingathering of all the exiles to the land of Israel, uh, when we are being gathered to the Master in the air. And let me ask you, what do you think we're all going to be doing when, when the dead are popping out of their graves? And Yeshua is making his victory lap around the planet, and, uh, and everybody's shooting up to meet him and, and, and go with him in that victory lap. And... I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to be shouting my lungs out. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stop myself. I mean, really, have you ever seen... Okay, have any of you ever seen, like, a falling star? Like, have any of you ever seen a really bright falling star? Did, have any of you ever been so startled that you shouted when you saw it? I did. I remember um, I was actually driving down to the States to visit Genevieve when we were just courting um, with my buddy Grant. And I was driving pretty fast down this highway in the middle of the night and this massive shooting star came just bolting out of the sky on my right. It lit up the horizon. I've never seen anything like it. And I just shouted at the top of my lungs before I could contain myself. I think I, I woke my buddy up. But, uh, but you know what? Like that's just a shooting star. What's going to happen when like the master comes hurtling through the skies in power and great glory? Okay, so that, that is Yom Teruah, the day of shouting, the day of trumpet blasts. Um, Yom Teruah, secondly, is also called Yom HaMelech, the day of the king. Like, uh, Melech is king, right? Yeshua is the Melech of Israel, he's the king of Israel. So Yom HaMelech. Um, historically, in ancient Judea, kings were always coronated on this day, on Yom Teruah. Their reign would officially commence from Yom Teruah when they were crowned. I don't think it's a coincidence that in the year 3 BCE, on Yom Teruah, there was a conjunction of two stars that symbolized the righteous king being born. It's highly probable that Yeshua, the man who was born and who died to be the king of the Jews, the king of the Jews, was born on that day. Good chance. Which, interesting, on the Roman calendar was September 11, which it also is today. That's kind of cool, hey? Anyway, um, for us, Yom Teruah is a day to recognize the authority of King Yeshua in our lives, His authority over planet Earth, and to proclaim that kingship. What is our name as a congregation? Crown, Crown of Messiah, Ateret Mashiach. Do you know why we're called that? Well, we're called that because I felt like that's the name He was giving us. But I believe there are reasons. We are monarchists. We believe in a monarch named Yeshua who is the rightful heir to the Davidic throne of Israel and over planet Earth. He, we, we, we are like staunch supporters of the one to whom all authority in heaven and earth has been given. We are loyal to his cause. And we are praying, we are working, we are living for the cause of seeing him crowned king over Prince Albert, king over Saskatchewan and all Canada. That is what I live for. That is why we are called crown of Messiah. Because we want to see him crowned king. And whatever crowns we may have, we just want to throw them at his feet on our way down. While we're doing the, the holy face plant in like awesome reverence. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're about. So in Europe and in Great Britain, coronations are accompanied by trumpets, hey? It's so appropriate too. Today is a day to say Yeshua is Lord. It's a day to celebrate his reign. Because where does the kingdom of God start? 
everybody point to your heart. It starts there, right? So, you know, in, on Yom HaMelech, the day of the king, this is the day to coronate Yeshua king in my heart, in your heart. <clears throat> Let me ask you, where is, where is the God of Israel enthroned, scripturally speaking? Yes, it says he is enthroned on the praises of Israel. So when we praise him, what happens? That's correct. He comes down. He is enthroned there. His rule is extended from a people that praise him. Wow. Somebody say wow. Um, Okay, so number three. Yom Teruah is also called Yom HaKeseh. Everybody say Yom HaKeseh. Means, yeah, like... uh, you know Yom, day, and then Ha is the. It's the day of the... Uh, Kesa is like covered, the covered day. Alright? Why is Yom... Why is this day called Yom HaKesa? Yom, the covered day. Because historically, it was never known whether this day would come at the end of a 29 or a 30-day month. With the lunar calendar, you don't know if it's going to be a 29 or a 30-day month until the day that it happens. So um, this Hebrew, the Hebrew idiom most people used in reference to Yom Teruah as, as Yom HaKesa, uh, the covered day, um, they would say, no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows the day or the hour of the covered day, Yom Teruah, because we don't know if it's going to be at the end of a 29 or a 30 day month. Um, did anybody in the scriptures uh, make reference to that Hebrew idiom, no one knows the day or the hour? Yeah, that was our Savior, wasn't it? This gives us an understanding of Yeshua's usage of that Hebrew idiom in his teachings on the end of days. This day is all about the return of Messiah. This is the day that no one knows the day or the hour of. Uh, number four, Yom Teruah is called Yom Hadin, the day of judgment. Everybody say Yom Hadin. Din is judgment. Um, this theme also dovetails with... Uh, the previous couple here. Yom Teruah starts the 10-day countdown to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, this is a time when we're searching our hearts and lives, asking the Father if there's any sin in our lives, in our relationships, if there's anything He wants to change. Uh, it's the Day of Judgment also, because this is the day when we remember that when Yeshua comes back, He's going to be judging the planet and everybody who has ever lived. Um, he's not only going to come the, to judge the enemies of God either. Sometimes we think, oh yeah, you know, all those people that fit into our categories of really bad sins, they're going to get it. They're going to get what's coming to them. Hey, But you know, Paul said very clearly that it's not just the enemies of God who are going to stand before the judgment seat. He said that each of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of God also to receive according to our actions that we've done with our physical bodies. So that's something to be prepared for. Something to have in mind. Um, actually, in the original language of that passage where Paul talks about the judgment seat of Messiah, it's called the bima. Everybody say bima. bima. Do you know what the, the podium from, from whence the Holy Scriptures are read, the Torah is read in the synagogue, do you know what it's called in Hebrew? The bima. See that? What we read the Torah from? That's the bima. You, perhaps you've heard me call it the bima before. So to Paul's listeners... What, they, what, what he heard them saying is like, let's say that Mashiach comes back and this is like the ultimate bima, okay? And there's the Torah rolled out. The holy word of God, the Torah. And each one of us appears before that bima to see if our lives and everything we did in the body, how it lines up with that scroll. And, of course, with the one who gave it. So that's the idea of the Bima. That's the idea of uh, Yom Hadin, the, the Day of Judgment. 
Um, today is the day when we remember that Messiah said that if our brother has something against us, you know what, just leave your gift at the altar, stop praying, uh, leave the service if you have to, go and be reconciled to your brother or sister. Do everything in your power to do that. Um, this is the time when we do that. If there's any kind of distance in our lives with people that we can do anything about. You know, Paul did say, live at peace. As far as it depends on you, live, it, live in shalom with everybody. So hey, you know what, sometimes you can't, sometimes people don't want to live in shalom. That's not what it's talking about here, right? Um, okay, let's see, was that the fourth? Okay, but the number fifth, the fifth traditional term for this day is Yom Haharat Ha'olam. That's a bit of a long one. It means the birthday of the world, the, 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 the universe, the cosmos. Yom Haharat Ha'olam. Um, it also has to do with the birth pangs of the world. Um, traditionally, in the Jewish world, it's believed that the universe was created today. So it's like this is the birthday of, of the world. Um, of course, that's a little hard to corroborate because no one was there when it happened. But, you know, it, there are some things that could line up with that. Of course, the interesting thing about this is when Yom Teruah is prophetically fulfilled in the end of days, at the return of Messiah, the world is going to experience a rebirth. We're going to be going into a new era. And uh, furthermore, directly prior to that, we're going to be going through some serious birth pangs. Yeah, serious birth pangs. In Hebrew, they're called Chevle Hamashiach. Can everyone say Chevle Hamashiach? It's like the birth pangs of the Messiah. That's the traditional Jewish term for them. Chevle Hamashiach. Um, Yom Teru is also called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. We all know that one, Rosh Hashanah. Because the civil year on the Hebraic calendar starts in the fall, just like the day on the Hebrew calendar begins in the evening before. So uh, just like the day begins in the evening, Shabbat, for instance, actually begins Friday evening at sundown. Um, on the Hebrew calendar, the year begins in the fall. It makes sense. Uh, this, this term is used once in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, by the prophet Ezekiel in uh, 40 verse 1. He says that he had this vision on Rosh Hashanah, um, the head of the year. So it's highly probable that Ezekiel had his massive prophetic revelation of the Messianic era, the thousand-year rule of Messiah, that, that, uh, that he took like eight chapters to describe it, Ezekiel 40 to 48. It's probable that that kicked off for him today. Yeah, well, of course, the high priest goes in on Yom Kippur, which will be, you know, ten days from now. But um, in, in, uh, in the Hebrew mindset, like, from this day, the Day of Trumpets, to the Day of Atonement, that 10-day frame is considered a block of time, and it's often called the Yomim Noraim, the Days of Awe. So this, this in its entirety is like a time of awe. Um, it's a time to consider some of these massive themes that are going to impact the planet significantly, um, possibly in the near future. So, you know, today, today is a day, um, as Rosh Hashanah, as the, the head of the year, it's a day to stop and prayerfully review the last year, uh, not only as individuals, but as families and congregations. Now, I'm a very like forward-oriented person, okay? You guys know me, I'm like always going, right? I always have lots of stuff on the go. Like, it's hard for me to stop and just contemplate the past. I have had times in my life when I was more con contemplative. Um, but review, 
Today's the day for review. It's a great time to stop. Look back at the past year. What has God done in this past year? How can you see His goodness and the grace that He's demonstrated to you? Uh, what, what, what has He communicated to you in this last year? What prophetic vision ha- has He given you? What promises has He made to you? Um, questions like these are great questions to be considering today. Um, we're actually going to take some time after Oneg sometime this afternoon to do that. Um, I have a great list of questions that I'm going to hand out, and we can just take a couple minutes to, to go through these and prayerfully do that together. It's a good time to do this as a congregation also. It's also a time to look forward to the coming year, asking the Father for His best, and seeking Him for His calling and His vision for us as individuals, as families, and as uh, congregations. Um, and then, of course, we already talked about how Yom Tur is called Yom Hazikaron, the Day of Remembrance. Um, I think that, that theme of remembering it dovetails admirably with the theme of Rosh Hashanah, stopping and, and surveying the past year, looking ahead to the next. Um, and finally, Yom Teruah is simply called Hayom. What is that in Hebrew? Hayom. The day. Um, if you go to the synagogue for Rosh Hashanah, um, it's a phrase that you'll hear over and over again in the Hebrew liturgy. Hayom. Hayom. Because it's like, this is the big day. This is the day. Now the interesting thing is, Hayom in Hebrew also means today. Okay? Hayom means the day. Hayom also means today. Um, can you think of a passage where it says today? Today if you experience something. Today if you hear His voice. So what we learn from that is, if there's any day on the biblical calendar that could, could be called today, it's today. <laughs> so, like you're saying, Hannah, in terms of opening, I, I believe that today, in these ten days of awe, this is a time to hear His voice, like never before. And it may be a time when His voice thunders over planet Earth also, in the future. So you know what? We're going to have a little fun here. I'm just going to give you the Hebrew names for this day, and you tell me what the English one is, okay? Hey, I'm a Hebrew teacher. I can't stop myself. We have to have a little Hebrew in here, right? So, um, and I'm not going to do it... Uh, oh, you know what? I'm, should I be nice and do them in order that I gave them, or should I do them random, randomly here? Yeah, I really have to think. It's still in the morning. I don't know. What do you guys think? I need, I need a vote here. Random? Okay. Uh, Yom Hadin. Day of Judgment. Yom Hamelach. Day of the King. Rosh Hashanah. Head of the Year. Hayom. The Day. Uh, Yom Teruah. That's correct. The Day of Shouting or Trumpet Blasts. Uh, Yom Haharata Olam. Birth of the cosmos. I like it. Um, oh man, I, when I do them random, it's hard to keep track. I think I got them all. Yom HaKasa. The day of the covered. The covered day. That is correct. And uh, wow, that, that, those are them. You guys did really well with that. Good job. I have to give you a little hand there. I'm proud of you. So um, that's, that's our intro for today. It just gives us some idea what the day is about. It sets a tone. You know what recapitulating is, right? Recapping you, you look at the future and you sum it up uh, the, the past. But uh, what would what would be looking at the future? I guess there'd be pre-capitulating here. We're going to do a little pre-capitulation today, okay? Um, let, let's start by remembering some moments from our past when the shofar was blown and when people were doing some shouting, right? In Joshua's time, after the people encircled the city of Jericho seven consecutive times on the seventh day, they all 
teruah, with a great teruah, and the walls of the city fell down flat. In Eli's and Samuel's time, the army of Israel was locked in fierce combat with the Philistines for the survival of their country. The whole army was camped on the front lines and decided to bring the ark down from the tabernacle, the Mishkan, at Shiloh, to the front lines of the battle. When the ark entered the camp, the whole army of Israel Teruah, they shouted with a great shout. You can just imagine the whole army when they see that glorious ark brought from the, from the Holy of Holies. Wow. Um, at Saul's coronation, as we read, the people shouted with a great shout and shofars were blown. When David downed and beheaded Goliath, the army of Israel shouted with a great shout and surged forward to engage the Philistines, who turned and ran as fast as their Philistine legs could carry them. When David brought the ark up to his new capital, Zion, all the people shouted with a great shout when the ark entered the gates. The people were also blowing great blasts on the shofars. It was a very exciting time. You know, I never noticed this, but there's this theme of the ark too, isn't there? When the glory of God comes, symbolized by the ark, people shout. Hmm. Um, when Solomon was coronated king in place of his father David, the people shouted so loudly it could be heard miles away. Many shofars were also sounded. <coughs> when, the, when the foundation of the second temple was laid, all the people shouted with a great shout, and in this instance too, they could be heard miles away. Okay, so um, let's look at a couple moments in our history when the shofar was blown also. Uh, the most memorable instance in our history when the shofar was blown was also the most miraculous because there was nobody blowing the shofar. At least there was no human being blowing the shofar. In Exodus 19, verse 16, we read on the third day in the morning, there was thunder and lightning flashes, and there was a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud shofar sound. We're talking high decibels here. So that everyone who was in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet Elohim, and the sound of the shofar, it grew louder and louder. And Moshe spoke, and Elohim answered him with thunder. And then a couple of verses later, in Exodus 20, verse 18, we read, All the people saw the voices, and the lightning flashes, and the sound of the shofar. It doesn't say they heard the voice, the voices. It says they saw. That means, I, I, I suspect that might have been that the sound waves were so intensive that they were literally shaking the ground. The rocks were literally moving. There was something that they could see. They could see those waves of sound. Maybe they could see them like scudding across the desert and impacting their bodies. Awe-inspiring experience, I'm sure. Um, the Hebrew term for the shofar, the sound of the shofar is kol ha-shofar. Can we all say kol ha-shofar? And it literally means the voice of the shofar. Um, so when we, when we hear the voice of the shofar, we remember that awesome revelation of God. Uh, today we also remember the jubilee year, the Shnat Hayovel, uh, when every 50 years the shofar would be sounded to signal the commencement of the jubilee year. On that great day, freedom would be proclaimed throughout the country, everyone would return to his family inheritance, and of course the prophetic fulfillment of this great event will be when Messiah returns on the jubilee year at the sound of the great trumpet, as Paul wrote. Then freedom will be proclaimed through all the earth and through the land of Israel, and we will all return to our family inheritance, the land of Israel. I'm looking forward to going home. Gideon's army of 300, they were equipped with two strategic weapons, torches and shofars. Light and sound. They had a real light and sound show there. And with those shofars, 
with, they sent the enemy into confusion and routed Amalek, the quintessential enemy of God. So there was some real spiritual shock and awe strategy going on here with their, with their torches and so far as the sound and lights. Um, actually, also Gideon, Ehud, and King Saul, they all rose up as national liberators to set the nation free, and all of them used shofars in conjunction with their uh, liberating activities. Now, the Jubilee hasn't been known for since the Babylonian exile over 2,400 years ago. I don't think it was intentional. I think it was just the Jewish people were in such a state of flux that they lost track of it. I mean, when you look at the Hebrew calendar, it's approximately 250 years off. And they see that happen during the Babylonian exile. So it was, it was a time of some real changes, traumatic changes. I think that might explain it. We should talk about that more over Oneg, because the Jubilee year, is a, it's a big theme. <laughs> yeah, the Jewish calendar says it's like 57-something, right? 57. Yeah, but um, like, it's, it consensus Jewish scholarship will say that we're, we're off by several hundred years with this. It's early. Oh yeah, we are really close to Y6K, if we could call it year 6000 Y6K. And you know, that's, that's common understanding too, right? So, yeah. A um, couple other uh, remembrances for the future, uh, pre, to pre-capitulate. Um, number one, this is one of my favorite verses. Uh, the URL for this verse is 2 Timothy 2.8. Emissary Shaul, writing to his protege Timothy, and he just says, remember Yeshua, the Messiah. So, I mean, of all the things, we remember Yeshua today, the Messiah, the, the Son of David, risen from the dead, according to Paul's Gospel, according to my good news. Um, there, are, there, are, there are five major events in our future, which may be in our relative, like, near future, that we can remember too. Um, the Great Tribulation, the ingathering of the exiles from the nations to the land of Israel, and that doesn't just mean physically born people of Israel. This could mean you if you are grafted in. Uh, number three, the Messiah is coming in the clouds with power and great glory. Number four, the resurrection of the righteous dead who have died in the Master. And number five, the judgment seat, judgment of Messiah, which is at the end of the thousand years that we read about. Um, I'll just say, make a couple comments on each one of these. Um, poignant points. Um, about the Great Tribulation, Yeshua said, this is going to be the worst period of time that the world has ever seen. He said, if those days weren't cut short for the sake of the elect, nobody would survive. Now, let me ask you real quick here. If Yeshua comes and through a secret rapture takes out the elect, why would those days be cut short for the sake of the elect? Um, if you read the book of Matthew and you just read the way Yeshua talked to his disciples in relation to the Great Tribulation, it sure sounds like Yeshua thought they were going to be going through that stuff. And uh, when, you read the, uh, re when you read the chronology too. So um, I, I think this is probably something that is smart to be psychologically and practically geared up for on a faith level. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be worse than the Holocaust. Yes, Jacob's trouble. Actually, that's just the verse I was going to read, Hannah. Yeah, it's a, the first time the Great Tribulation is mentioned like explicitly is in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 1. And it's mentioned in conjunction with the ingathering of the exiles to Israel. Um, in verse 3 of Jeremiah chapter 30, he says, I will reverse the exile of my people Israel and Judah. In other words, he's talking about both Israel and Judah returning to the land of Israel. That includes us. Um, he then elaborates, I will also bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. <coughs> he then goes on in verse 7 to say, Alas, for that day is great. There is none like it. 
So this is unprecedented. This is the same thing as Yeshua saying there is no, nothing like this that has ever happened and ever will happen. None like it. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. But he will be saved from it. So we can remember three things about the Great Tribulation today. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It happens in conjunction with a return to the land of Israel. And he will be saved from it. Isn't that nice it ends with that high note? Yes. Yeah, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Yeah. Um, the book of Revelation is very clear that the Great Tribulation will last for approximately three and a half years. It also uses the terminology 1260 days, 42 months. In the book of Daniel, where that time frame is first referenced, it says it'll be for time, times, and half a time, uh, about three and a half years. Um, Lois, you read that verse, I believe. Um, there are actually five times in the book of Revelation that describe this time frame and what's going to be happening. Uh, Revelation chapter 11 verse 2 says that the court which is outside the temple will be given to the nations or the Gentiles. They'll tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. So number one, Jerusalem is going to be an internationalized city. It will be under the control of Gentile world powers. Probably a one-one government. Um, number two, he says that he'll give authority to his two witnesses. They'll prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. Um, it says that they, at the end, they seal their witness with their own lives, after which they're raised from the dead. Um, these guys are going to be like massive public figures. They are going to get a lot of airtime probably on the media. Uh, this is my opinion. I, my guess is this whole thing is going to be like aired globally on the media. I personally would really like to see it. That's why it maybe why it says everyone around the planet is rejoicing when they die. And then everyone's freaking out when they're raised from the dead. Um, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Uh, Revelation 12, verse 6, it says, The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God. There she would be nourished for 1,260 days. Uh, this narrative is repeated in chapter 12 in verse 14 where it talks about the two wings of the great eagle being given to the woman. <gasps> you know what we saw on the drive up here this morning? We saw a bald eagle. A massive bald eagle. He was sitting in the middle of a grain field. How often do you see bald eagles just sitting in the middle of a field on the ground? Wow. It, like I, my eyes kind of popped out a little bit and I hit the brakes and we reversed and oh, I felt that was significant too. Actually, I like the picture of him sitting in the middle of a field because the field represents the harvest and uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to see going into full gear on. Um, <coughs> so it says, you know, she, uh, she flees into the wilderness where she's nourished for a time, times and half a time. Um, the dragon was enraged and went off to make war with the rest of her children who two things, two things qualify them. They keep the commandments of God and they hold to the testimony of Yeshua. So there's a place in our lives as believers for faith in Messiah and there's a place for keeping God's commandments. Which in the mindset of John, who was an observant Jew, I'm sure meant observing stuff from God's Torah also. So anyway, we can, we can remember that in our future. Um, there are several other things. The dragon, it says, gave, gave his power, his throne, a great authority to the beast. Um, we can simply remember that whenever that beast comes to a position of world domination, we can remember that it was given to him. He is a created entity. And there is a creator who is sovereign over all, who is Melech HaOlam, who is the king of the universe. And uh, so, you know, it's not something to be worrying about. It's just a time to stay really tight with the Almighty, be listening to His voice. And uh, he's, gonna, he's going to remain on the throne in charge. That's something we remember today. Um, the second event we remember is the ingathering of the exiles from the nations to the land of Israel. 
You know, when, when the Zionist movement really got going in the 1870s and 80s, when the Jewish people started going back to Israel, a lot of people said, it's not going to happen. This is, this, logistically speaking, this is impossible. There were naysayers in the Christian camp, in the Jewish camp, in the secular camp. You know what? It happened. And it's still happening. And uh, I don't believe it's over yet either, because God's people... Israel encompasses the Jewish people who are biological Jews, but I believe that God's people Israel also encompasses you and you and you and a lot of other people in the city. The Torah and the covenants of Torah and the promises, one of which is the land of Israel, is for all of Israel. And so I believe that there's going to be, there's going to be a greater homecoming to the land of Israel than what we have yet seen. And it is going to prove, I believe, very graphically that there is a God in Israel and He continues to be powerful and He is moving. Um, something about the ingathering. Did you know every single biblical prophet mentioned this event? This is no small matter. Wow. Um, also, did you know that Yeshua died for this event? Yeah, let me, let me read this to you from John chapter 11, verses 51 and 52. He prophesied that Yeshua was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only. Not for biological, the biological Jewish people only. But for the purpose of gathering together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Theologically, that leaves room for everybody who comes to Him through faith, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeshua died so all of His people could be gathered together as one. That's correct. Um, Actually, the blast of the shofar and the ingathering are related themes. We read in Isaiah chapter 27, verse 13. Isaiah 27, 13. It will come about in that day, by Yom Hahu, that a great shofar will be blown. And those who are lost in the land of Assyria, and who are scattered in the land of Egypt, will come and worship Yahweh in the holy mountain of Jerusalem. So, real, real simple equation here, okay? Shofar blowing, great shofar blast equals return of the exiles to the land of Israel. Those who are lost among the nations, wandering around, don't have a clue who they are, maybe have an identity crisis, they're going to wake up. They're going to realize who they are, and they're going to come home. Um, interestingly enough, this is something that the Jewish people have been praying for, for over 2,400 years. When the Jewish people returned from Babylon to Judea to rebuild the temple, um, their, their national leaders, this included prophets like Ezra, um, Haggai, Malachi, Ze Zechariah, they, they put their heads together, the men of the great assembly, and they composed some prayers. And these are traditional Jewish prayers that have been prayed for 2,400 years. And... Um, I think the, the backbone of them really is like the Shemona Esrei, the 18 blessings I've been sharing with you from this prayer because it's something that the Master himself prayed and the early Christians. And um, this is the 10th of these 18 blessings. It's for the ingathering of the exiles. And think about this for a second before I read it to you. This was composed after they came back from Babylon. That means they must have realized that there was more to Israel that still had to come home. This is the prayer. Sound the great shofar for our freedom. Raise the banner to gather our exiles. That's a reference to Messiah from Isaiah 11. He is the Nesamim, the banner to the peoples. And gather us together from the four corners of the earth. Blessed are you, Lord, who gathers in the dispersed of his people Israel. This is what Messiah died for. This is, what, this is a prayer that is answered through, through Yeshua. Wow, hey? So that, this is something in our future that we remember on this great day. Tell you what, I'll read you the verse. You tell me, you tell me what you think. Matthew 24, verse 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, 
the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. And he will send forth his messengers with a great shofar. And they will gather together his chosen from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Do you hear the parallel? Wow, hey? So this is something that's going to happen. Hallelujah. Yes. There's an awakening that is breaking out in the body of Messiah. And I, I sincerely believe on days like today, when we convene in His name, and we pray for all of Israel, and we declare His kingship, like stuff breaks out in the spiritual realm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like the, the heavens begin to just tear open, right? And like there's activity that happens. He is awakening the body. Paul touched on this too in um, his letter to the congregation in Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians 2, he, he, he references the coming of our Master Yeshua the Messiah and our gathering together to Him. So this gathering together theme, it's like the, the Hebrew term is the same for a kibbutz, and it's like, it's a big one. Something that traditional Jews pray for several times a day, every day, for their whole lives. And they have been for the last 2400 years. And Yeshua is the answer to our prayers. Um, number three, Messiah's return. We read about that already in the Revelations passage. He is coming as a warrior. Um, he is coming to rescue his bride. Um, something to be ready for. Number four, the resurrection of the dead. In Hebrew, it's the Tachiyat team, like the resuscitation of the dead. They're going to come back to life. And whether uh, we make it there alive or don't make it there alive, we're all coming back to life. And we're going to encounter him in the air. And we remember on this great day, that glorious event in our future. Um, and fifthly, and finally, we remember the judgment that everybody on this planet is going to give them a reckoning for their deeds, everything that they did with their bodies, how they spent their time, how they traded people, what they did with their resources. That includes us. It's a good thing to stop and remember. You know, I, I, it's like my dream. This is like one of my life joke goals is like when Yeshua comes back, I don't know, I'm probably going to feel the terror. Like I'm probably going to be on my face. You know what I'm saying? But there's something in me that wants to be able to look Him in the eye and just be able to honestly say, I did everything I could for you. You know what I mean? Like just to be able to look Him in the eye and say, I was wholehearted for you every day. I loved wholeheartedly. I, I was as righteous as I could. You know, um, that, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's like my life goal to be able to look Yeshua in the eye, if I can, when He comes back. And know that I, I did what I could, you know. Um, yeah, one, I'll just, this is something that actually isn't in my notes. This is the last thought. Did you notice when we were praying that traditional prayer, <laughs> it talked about the judgment being like a shepherd gathering his sheep? Think about this. Matthew 25, Yeshua says, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne for judgment, what is going to happen? What's it going to look like? It's going to look like all the nations being gathered like sheep. Then he's going to separate them one on one side and one on the other. Depending on how we treat each other and how we treat the Jewish people of whom he said, these are you know, the least of my brethren. I think that's talking about the Jewish people too. They are his flesh and blood brethren. Paul talked about that too, didn't he? So, hallelujah. What great things in our future, hey? And uh, may, our, may our love for Messiah be like Jacob's love for Rachel that just carries us through, that makes... Those, the, the long years feel like a couple days and uh, we anticipate Yeshua's return and our marriage to Him. Why don't we finish with the priestly blessing and then we'll break for Oneg. It's been a big day, hey? Yes. It's been a big morning. Can you feel it? Like, we prayed some heavy prayers. We read some 
Like, longer scriptures than usual? Is he taught twice instead of once? I'm like, wow, hey, we did two dances instead of one? But you know, like, Yom Teruah is just, it's such an awesome day. And Yom Teruah comes but once a year. And it's one of those things where when it comes, like, I want to soup it up. I want to experience it to the full. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for joining us in this message. I pray that it's been an inspiration to you and your discipleship to Yeshua the Messiah. Crown of Messiah is a relatively small congregation with a massive mission. We're not just making disciples and teaching the Word of God here in our city. We're also doing that internationally through vehicles such as the internet. It is our joy to offer you these messages for free at absolutely no charge. At the same time, we do have ongoing overhead expenses. It costs us something to produce these teachings and get them out to you. And we would appreciate it if you would, in turn, support our work in a practical way. Help us cover some of our basic expenses. You can do that by going to our website, crownofmessiah.com, and going to the donate page, where you can make a one-time donation, or you can set up a monthly automated donation. I'm reminded of the words of Yeshua's Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Let the one who is taught the word share everything good with his teacher. So, if you're being taught the word by us, we would appreciate it if you would take the words of Yeshua's Apostle seriously and make some type of return for the blessing that we are giving you for free. That way, we'll all be in it together and we will be a team accomplishing the mission that Yeshua has given us. And you will go from only being a receiver to also being a giver. If you're like most people, finances are tight. We understand that. Finances are tight for us too. That's why we need people like you to come alongside us and to back us in the work that Yeshua has called us to do. Thank you so much for making that donation at crownofmessiah.com and thank you for becoming a team member with us. We appreciate it.